It's a metal show. Or, or, yes. Can I say metalheads? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> hey, metalheads, this is Doro Pesh, and you're listening to Third Eye Cinema, and I wish you a great time and stay metal. Doro. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I tried it before because I had to I had to open up a new account on the Skype. It didn't work anymore. That's the reason why I said hello a little bit earlier. Okay. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, cool. Where are you located, Doc? I'm actually right here in New York City. Oh, oh nice. Oh <laughs> I understand you're living here now too? Um actually I, I lived for 25 years in New York, and now I live in Florida, and I'm right now in Germany, <laughs> flying over to the Monster Workhouse in uh, in two days, actually. Yeah, yeah, but oh, I, I I love New York City. And then after the World Trade Center attacks, I went to Long Island, to Long Beach, and that was awesome too. And then there was like this Hurricane Irene, and then Hurricane Sandy, yes. totally destroyed. Uh, yeah, my home. So, Yikes. so I, thought, yeah, I go to Florida. Not that they don't have hurricanes there, but yeah. I was gonna say Florida's probably worse for hurricanes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I live in an apartment building. It's made out of bricks, and it's yeah. It, it looks, um, yeah, it, it, it could survive something. Watch out for those three little pigs, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but um, anyhow, always on tour, so it's, uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I hope I, I will be lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, too. All right, so let's get started. Cinema. Tonight, the legendary Doro Pesh of Warlock and Doro fame. Cinema, your source for in-depth discussion of cult cinema and music. Tonight, we're talking with a woman who needs no introduction, as she's practically become an institution among metal circles and an inspiration to generations of front women across the metal spectrum. Ladies and gentlemen, it is with much pride and some teenage giddiness that I present the one and only Doro Pesh, formerly of Warlock and long since performing under her own name. Doro, welcome and bienvenue and welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, Thank you so much for these kind words. <laughs> and yeah, oh man, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, exciting. And God, yeah, I'm doing it for such a long time yes. now. It's unbelievable. And, it's scary yeah. to think how long <laughs> I grew up with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to kick things off with a few oddities that struck me. One thing that fascinates me is you're actually proficient in Thai boxing. And other than possibly Mem von Stein from Exumer, who I believe is really into MMA, you don't hear of a lot of metal folks who are that hardcore. 
what drove you to this? Oh, actually, it was, I think, 95 that I definitely, you know, I thought, man, I want to do it. I want to, you know, like try to learn some kickboxing. And I had a security guard and he said, hey, the guy who's training all our security guys, you know, he's, he's a great guy. He's a, you know, champion and it's a Thai boxing. And I thought, oh, okay, that, that sounds even better. So I started in 95 and it was great. I, I really, I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And then uh, when metal picked up again, you know, then we were constantly on tour. So I, I didn't train so much anymore. And then I, I thought, man, I want to, I want to do something again. And in Germany, there's, um, there's this one guy, he's uh, training Wing Chun. It's a Chinese um, martial art. Yes. And um, and I was there for a couple of years. And then I told him, I would love to do Eskrima. Eskrima is like, you know, you do it with sticks yes. or knives. And he said, Doro, you know, I'm, yeah, you, you can learn it from me because, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher and master in that. And yeah, so I did it for a long time. Yeah. And then, you know, he, we were like 20 people always meeting and, and then I went on tour and then I called him half a year later. I said, yeah, I was on America tour in South America and I want to, you know, go back to train. He said, the group doesn't exist anymore oh. because when you didn't show up, then nobody showed up anymore. <laughs> so, so now I have to try to find something else. But I, yes, I love martial arts. I love, yeah, and mixed martial arts and I, I love to watch it. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of it and since, since I was a little child, yeah. Very impressive. So I saw something amusing on your site that you're actually designing and selling some sunglasses for 200 euros. How did you get into that? Yeah, actually, um, yeah, from doing all these cruises, like now actually we're ready to do the Monsters of Rock cruise again. And, um, and I usually wear contact lenses, but then I needed some good sunglasses and there's like this guy in Germany who is doing I like like really great like you know like state of the art right. definitely handmade that's the reason why it's pretty expensive and then he made me one pair and I loved it so much and I thought oh man I want to yeah I want to see if some fans like it as well and it's it's definitely high quality it's not like cheap stuff nice. and um but yeah it is a little pricey i must admit but but when somebody gets them you know it's like ah oh, it, it it's good it's good it's lightweight but it's like you know it's it's like cool metal stuff so <laughs> yeah but it's one of our you know special merch items like we always try to think of something you know special besides a t-shirt and a hoodie and you know and usually i always wear that stuff myself so it's <laughs> the best part and the band as well yeah. speaking of shirts you know i really doubt i could still fit into it but i still have my teenage triumph and agony t-shirt wow and really <laughs> if you remember this one there's a poster you did where you posed with a stuffed wolf <laughs> Yes, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Mark Weiss, the photographer, he did it. We did it in uh, New Jersey and he was like the photographer in the 80s and 90s. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was a fun session. That thing hung on my wall for several years when I was younger. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that, that's so cool. Yeah, I wish we would have taken a real wolf, but uh, it was it was a stuffed <laughs> wolf, but it looked cool. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And, I still have it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll keep it. It's yeah, and um, I just met Mark Weiss um, 
a year ago on the Monsters of Rock cruise, and Lita Ford was there as well. And then oh, nice. we did a little interview, and you know, and yeah, and we talked a little bit, and I was like talking about really the good old times, like the 80s, which were definitely <laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that actually brings us to the point that, especially back in the 80s, metal was viewed as like one of those teenage rebellion things, and we were all supposed to grow up and leave it behind. And yet here I am listening to, reviewing, and interviewing more folks related to it than I'd ever dreamed back when, and you're still at it, and I've got to say looking pretty damn good for a grand dame of your vintage. So did you ever picture at age 16 that you'd still be doing this in your middle age? Oh, no, no. I, I thought maybe we would last like three, four, five years. And yeah, yeah I mean, and no, it's, oh, it's, it's 35 years. And yeah, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I'm, I'm so grateful. And I think it's such a blessing that we can still do it. I still feel like 18. And, yeah. and I think I didn't age much. Maybe it's like the constant, lifestyle of touring never sleeping <laughs> but always having fun and you know and you know and getting close to the fans to the audience that oh man that makes me like you know want to do it for the next hundred years so you know i'm always <laughs> highly motivated when i see the fans and that's what i live for you're also known for being one of the hardest working women in the industry you're constantly recording and touring and such like so was all of it worth it because i imagine it had to come at a cost you know relationships outside of fellow tour mates can't have been easy to find uh, Actually, I tell you, it's so worth it. If I find somebody who, you know, tells me, hey, the song means so much to me or it helped me to overcome like a difficult situation, then that's like, oh, man, that's better than anything. And I, I, I made up my mind when I was like 24, 25 that I don't want to get married that I definitely want to, you know, you know, I'm married to the fans and to the music <laughs> and that's it. And I never... I never did regret that decision. It was always like, you always make me happy. And yeah, and if I can make the fans happy or give them something positive, like good, powerful energy, that's like, yeah, then, then I'm, I'm very happy. And yeah, I, I don't miss anything. I miss having a dog. So that's the only <laughs> thing because I love animals, you know, I love especially dogs and horses. And that's, you know, sometimes I think, oh man, I miss that. And, and I, you know, I, told this to most honest ones and ever since you know like the fans they bring their dogs to the concerts and usually <laughs> it's a couple and then you know the girl is sitting with the dog in the car waiting for the guy to get out and then you know and then they come and meet me and bring their dog into our tour bus it's like it's a very common thing and i love it and nice. yeah 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 so so yeah. given all of this plus you know your upcoming tour that we'll talk about in a minute and you're establishing your own record label actually yeah. to air out some classic material let's take some things back to the early days here i don't know if this was common or corrected in later pressings but i have an old mausoleum vinyl of burning the witches <laughs> where it actually gives your full name you know with that like it is on your skype with the two e's yeah obviously that changed pretty quickly I don't believe you've really gone by your full name since. No, no, actually, I think it was even a mistake. Maybe the graphic artist didn't know better. And then <laughs> I think some other band members' names are, you know, not correctly spelled. So, so you know, it was in the early days and we had nothing to do with it. And actually, we had a great artwork of Burning the Witches. It was a friend of ours. 
he was like, you know, big time into Boris Vallejo and Frank Frazetta and all like these great, great painters, like the comic style, really cool ones. And um, yeah, we had a friend of ours. He was really talented. And then he came up with this idea, uh, the burning the witches, that the warlock is like lighting a candle and this little naked girl is chained to a candle. And I saw it and... Actually, I thought, wow, that's the one. That's our album cover. And that's the reason why the title was Burning the Witches. And then we sent it to our record company. And there was no communication back then. And it was a small label. And yeah. And then the record came out. And my manager, he called me. And he was crying on the phone. And I said, what, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, we have finished. The warlock has an ass on his head. And I said, what? And I, I said, I don't recall it. The warlock looks like the warlock, like with the cape on and the long gray hair and, you know, like a thin guy, uh, like a male witch. And he said, no, somebody repainted it and look at it. So I immediately <laughs> went into the next record store and then I saw our record, Burning the Witches, and somebody else repainted it, somebody from whatever the record company, and it came out not good. And oh, and then I started to cry so bad because the original artwork was so really phenomenal. And then when we recorded uh, the Triumph and Agony album, then I found another painter, Jeffrey Gillespie, which I'm still working with him. And he did our last uh, release, Forever Boys, Forever United. And he's awesome. And I told him about the warlock and how I you know, think he should look. And then he did the artwork, the painting for the Triumph and yes. Agony album. And then there was the real deal. I think that's how it was. At least that one didn't have the ass on his head. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> and, you know, and then on every T-shirt, all the fans had like the warlock without him, you know, the hair. And a fat guy, and I thought that's so wrong. <laughs> but you know, so many things happen. And in the beginning, you know, you 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 don't know. You know, you just you're yeah. just happy that somebody puts out your record, and we had no idea. But yeah, but that was like actually a mistake. And then the back of the cover, we we had nothing to do with it. So yeah. <laughs> so those first two records that we're talking about were on the local German label Mausoleum, and they were really solid traditional power metal in the old sense of the term. Yep. Actually, my favorite of all the albums released under either Warlock or Dora was actually your second, which is Hellbound. Oh, Hellbound. Not a weak track on there. Yeah, Hellbound was a good album. Yeah, that was actually the uh, second album. It was uh, released um, by Phonogram, Polygram, now Universal. And, and actually, we had oh man, a lot of time and, you know, much more money to record something really nice in a good studio because Burning the Witches, it was just like, we did it in seven days and I think the Hellbone album did like, yeah, it it took like 12 months. So, so there was definitely, you know, like, yeah, a difference um, in quality or no sound. Uh, I still love Burning the Witches, but I think Hellbound was a little bit more, yeah, advanced. And, uh, yeah, the production was a lot more polished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that word polished, you know, for heavy metal, but oh, that was like, uh, like the third album was called True Steel, and then everybody said, yeah, we got to do it a little bit more radio-friendly, but you know, they meant like more the pop radio. Yeah. And we said, no way, no way, but it got mixed a little bit more radio-friendly, and we thought, oh, the demo sounded so much better. So, you know, so <laughs> so back in the day, the 
big major labels, they had a lot of power. And, yes. you know, and as a band, sometimes it was either you get dropped or you, you know, you, you, you say, okay, let's, yeah, some, it, yeah. somewhat, you know. <laughs> but, but I thought after the True Steel album, no more compromises ever. And then, and then I, I learned from that. And then I, I always did what I felt was right or what I felt was good or what I would think the fans would love. And never, you know, anything what people would suggest to, um, yeah, to, to make it more commercial or something. Oh, no, no. For metal, but no, no, no. You also recorded a concert video around that time, which left me salivating for decades over the song Evil, which finally got released on that box set that came out a few years back. You know, I've had all those albums for decades, but mm-hmm. I had a double dip just to get those. So why were those never appended to any releases of either Hellbound or True as Steel? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe maybe you're referring to that bootleg. <laughs> it was called Camden Palace, which uh, we always tried to to you know to to sort it out to you know because we were underage when when people signed a contract and um, yeah and some people recorded it. And now they always put it out again and again and again and so that might be that one, but. But I tell you, I'm I'm happy when people even get bootlegs when they love it. Uh, then I'm it was, happy. It was a great video. But that yeah, one so. was, yeah, was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was probably it was our first TV show kind of in England, and so that might be the bootleg. And yeah. But even those but, extra yeah. tracks, it was actually a True Steel era EP that you put out. Those extra tracks never appeared anywhere until the box set came out again. Ah. Ah, I wonder which box set that might be. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, yeah, to weed through my stuff. It's, uh, yeah, but it, it could be a bootleg version. So sometimes, you know, yeah, yeah. So you lost Rudy Groff to Rage after Hellbound, and Peter Zagetti and Frank Rattel jumped ship for Udo's short lived Animal House lineup after your major labor debut, which is True Steel. Was there anything going on behind the scenes? Was this all due to Atlantic and their training? to change the sound more towards a broader audience uh actually uh uh, it was yeah, it was uh, it was not our decision, but the record company they they wanted to uh, to have um, a different guitar player, and we were pretty young, and I think we were pretty good, but um, yeah, they said no, you know, and then some studio musicians came in, and actually it started on the Hellbound album because Hellbound uh, there was already a, the major label deal it was Phonogram, and then True Steel, oh man, then it got really bad because. Yeah, like I told you before, they wanted to do it a little bit more um, commercial, radio, polished, and um, and as a band, man, we didn't we didn't like that concept. So there was a lot of discussions, and then one guy said, "I'm just gonna leave." I never saw him again. <laughs> that was the first one. Uh, the bass player actually he was, you know, so much pressure and stuff. And then he said, "No, I I I, um, I, I leave," and I think yeah. he never touched his bass again. And then we had to change a guitar player. And I thought, oh, man, I liked him so much. He was so cool. But then we never found somebody, you know, who could, you know, step up to the plate. Either, you know, they were like not metal or they didn't have any long hair or they couldn't play good. And 
yeah, and it was like, yeah, so, so there were many times studio musicians in the studio, which we didn't like that concept. And, you know, and when somebody doesn't understand the nature of metal, it's very hard to, you know, to explain it. You yes. definitely have to be a metalhead. You have to feel it. And we had some really great studio musicians, but they were like, you know, they were really old, like 50, 60 <laughs> years old. Yes, they could play like great, but it was metal. So, so we had a lot of discussions and then to a steel, we actually played the legendary monsters of rock festivals in Castle Donington, England. Mm -hmm. And we actually refused to play our new record. And then the record <laughs> said, you gotta play some songs of the new record. That's why you are here for now. Yeah, so we did, we did, we did two songs or something. And then it was, it was a great festival for us. I think that was the door opener. And then we, He hopped on tour with Judas Priest and it was the biggest tour in age six and oh god it was great and then I always want to go to America and, and then I had my first chance doing a little promotion tour in New York and uh, it was just three days after two days I knew I want to stay I want to stay and I fell in love especially with New York and then I stayed and then we recorded uh, the Triumph and Agony album which became a big hit worldwide and that is really true and pure again yes. that's all yeah. the ideas you know like you know honest and deep from the heart sounded great great people played on it we had some great guests which there was something different from studio musicians like the great guests for example it was the legendary cozy powell on drums and oh you know something really cool and uh yeah and then it was it was getting it was a lot more raw which was surprising coming after true yes Uh, yes, because yeah, the mix of true steel, yeah, we thought it was yeah too too clean, um, yeah too polished, too pop. So true steel was like yeah, the songs I think were pretty good, but the sound yeah. But then on the triumph and agony, we did it the way we wanted to, and it worked out really great. And and I believe the fans they pick up on it. If you you know if you give it your all and if there's some magic and if it's raw and honest, that's like it's much more attractive than you know doing something you know polished yeah. and yeah and you were talking about honestly because you actually have my favorite of your ballads on there which is forever oh, yeah. what occasioned that song there was a lot of emotion packed into that one yeah actually it's a pretty funny story we had the whole triumph and agony album was done and we were mixing it and we could feel that it had really magic and that it was a great album And then I talked to, um, he was a guitar player as well, my producer, Joey Bannon. I said, hey, Joey, shall we write one more song? Just like, you know, just for the hell of it. Just like, you know, and he said, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. And he said, what, what kind of song you want to write? And I said, I want to write the most heavy, aggressive, brutal, radical song, you know, there is. And then out came this ballad for Emma. And sometimes, <laughs> yeah, it just came out of you know, my soul, my heart. And it was the first time that I sang something in German. In German, yes. It was a German, in English, a little Spanish sentence because we toured in uh, in Spain for the first time with Judas Priest and oh, I love that mentality from Spain or South America. It was like so passionate. So that's the reason why this song for Emma has like three languages and for Emma means forever. But um, yeah, I sing it all over the world. In every country, everybody sings, you know, this chorus. And actually, I still love it so much. It's still one of my favorite songs. Who is Susanna? Who is Susanna? Uh, zusammen, ach, zusammen. Uh, zusammen means together. Oh, okay. Forever, together. Yeah. 
zusammen, ja, Minze. <lacht> ah, Susanne, ja. <lacht> <lacht> cool. Ja, das ist so funny. Of course, after that, you moved on to a huge number of solo records, one of them being produced by Gene Simmons, even. Yeah. And then, despite what would become some noticeable successes in Europe, they actually got kind of hard to find here in the States. Yeah. I remember my drummer had to wait months. We had to do a special import from our record store several miles away to find Angels Never Die. Thankfully, it was worth the wait. It's still my favorite of your Duro albums, but... Oh, yeah, is it? Oh, how nice. Yeah, it was a tough time when grunge was making yes. it so big. The record companies, they, when I delivered a record, I said, yeah, I think man, we have killer songs on it. And I suggested this could be maybe the first video or the first single. And then I said, well, before we want to listen to it, is it grunge? And I said, no, no, it's not grunge. And I said, but it has to be a little bit grunge. And I said, no, I, I don't feel grunge. I'm, you know, I'm from the traditional metal genre. And, and I said, well, if it's not grunge, we can't release it. And and I, 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 I couldn't believe it. And I thought, they're joking. They will release it, of course. But they didn't. And that happened with like five records. And uh, we could still do it in Europe because grunge was never as big in Europe as it was in the States. But, yeah, it was like all, you know, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, that sound was like so huge and everybody was supporting it. And then when you couldn't release a record, it was very difficult to tour. Sometimes we tried, but, um, yeah, yeah. So that was the reason why they weren't available anymore. And then the first time a record was released it was 2000 again it was the calling the wild album the first time that i had a duet partner there was yes. Kilmister, which i love so much and um yeah and then i did a radio interview and the lady she said hey you have any plans touring the states and i said yes definitely definitely we either want to be a support uh, act for somebody great or doing our own club um, tour And she said, what would be like your, you know, the, the band you would love to tour um, the most with? And, and I said, oh, Ronnie James Dio. And she said, that is so funny because Ronnie is calling me here in one hour. He has an interview in one hour. Shall I suggest it to him? And I said, oh, man, yes, yes, why not? <laughs> so to make a long story short, a couple of months later, we were on tour. And that was this tour in 2000. And it was one of the best touring experiences in my life and we became great friends we toured before in 87 in europe but in 2000 we had so much time and you know went out to dinner and you know and we're like yeah becoming really really great friends and uh yeah and there was then every record came out again in the states but yeah. it took like you know almost 10 years um it was, it was a long but, time yeah yeah but sometimes you just have to hang in there And, you know, do your thing, never give up, always give your best. And then, you know, it always goes up and down. <laughs> so before the upcoming tour, you had already mentioned you're doing one of these metal cruises, the Monsters of Rock. Yes, you yes. You had quite a mix there. I mean, you got bands I might have expected to see you paired with, like Lizzie Borden, Keel, even Y&T and Striper. But there's a lot of Hollywood glam kind of bands like Faster Pussycat, Firehouse, yeah. Kick, Slaughter, Vixen. You may be the heaviest thing on the bill. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that's great. But I think uh, Accept is, um, is on the bill as well. And um, the Tesla, oh, I love Tesla. I always loved um, the vocals and the guitars. Oh, God, I like Tesla. So, so yeah, yeah. So we will yeah, probably yeah, do a heavy set. And I hope <laughs> all the diehard metalheads like it. And yeah, but uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we are doing the Monster of Rock Cruise. And uh, 
we play again with Faster Pussycat in um, in April. Uh, it's the 48th anniversary of uh, the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. And since I was there with Lemmy all the time, Rainbow was his living room. I'm so happy to do that. And I think, yeah, Faster Pussycat are playing as well. And yeah, and then we do the M3 Festival. And I think many, many bands are there as well. Oh, I think maybe I made a mistake. I think except they are playing the M3 Festival, not the Monsters of Rock Cruise. So, God, I tell you, so yeah, many like, gigs, so many festivals. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes like, wow, you know, yeah. But yeah, sometimes you just gotta strap on and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a neat stop tour after that, though. Which it looks like the closest thing in New York City this year is going to be out in Poughkeepsie. Yeah, Poughkeepsie. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, we just uh, played in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, with Metal Church. Um, mm-hmm two, three months ago or four months ago. And yeah, I would love to play in New York City again. And I used to play always the BB Kings, but that doesn't exist anymore. And then I moved our show last last year from BB Kings to the Highline Ballroom. Mm-hmm. And we were so excited. And, and then they closed that venue as well. And yeah. so, so there's... There are not so many venues to, to pick and choose from. Exactly. Like, all know, the places the, I used to go are all closing play. down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's so, it's so sad. It's worldwide. It's the same. Yeah. Right? Like all these great traditional places where we had the best memories or the best bands, they are closing down and then they make a parking lot or shopping mall. <laughs> it's, so, it's so sad. So I understand you're actually planning on airing out, if not concentrating on Warlock era material during the store. Is that true? Uh, during the tour and the cruise, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we play like the best songs of each album, and yeah, and every night it will be a different set list. But uh, definitely, like all the Warlock classics, of course, Für immer and Oh, We Are Evil Wounds, Burning the Witches, all that, all that good stuff. And from the latest album, probably All for Metal and Soldier of Metal and Blood, Sweat and Rock and Roll, and yeah, so so only. The best of the best stuff, and, and since we have now 20 records out, it's sometimes <laughs> so hard to pick and choose. And and then in the encores, I always let the fans decide which songs they want to hear. And if it's a diehard metal crowd, they usually call out, you know, the traditional warlock songs. So we will be prepared no nice. matter what. And and sometimes they call out different songs which uh, from of records which weren't released in the States. For example, there's a song called Love Me in Black. Ooh, mm. that's one of my favorites as well. So um, yeah, so so we always try to to have at least eighty percent of the whole repertoire like rehearsed and yeah. I believe your guitarist used to be in Britney Fox. You can always cover Britney Fox too. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, our drummer Johnny D, he he was in uh, Britney Fox, and he's now 26 and a half years in our band, yes, and we yes. just celebrated that. And Nick Douglas, our bass player, he's 30 years in the band, so yeah, yeah. I think they came out of Blaze Bailey's band. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, we have an Italian um, guitar player, Luca Princiotta. He played in Blaze Bailey, and uh, but for the cruise, I have three guitar players. We bring our old guitar player of the Triumph and Agony album, Tom, Tommy Bowen. We oh, bring nice. him with us. And uh, yeah, but for the tour, for the tour, we have probably Tommy Bowen and Bill Hudson. I did the last tour with him as well because um, it's, I have the green card, I'm a proud green card holder, but the two other Europeans, it takes a long time to get the work permit and stuff. Yeah. And it's not anymore enough time, so so yeah, so sometimes you have to be flexible, but um, but it will be you know great 
guitar shredding, soloing, and Tommy and Bill, they're, nice. they're awesome guitar players. So, yeah, yeah. So, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Best of luck on this tour. Maybe I'll catch you one of the dates. Oh, yes, that would be awesome. And, yeah, hopefully to see you soon in New York City again. But if not, then maybe <laughs> on one of these closer gigs. Or oh, the M3 Festival in Maryland. Um, I was, oh, God, I always want to play that festival. And now now we are on the bill. So, you know, it might be, might be something nice for, for people to travel here. <laughs> Well, it was a pleasure talking to you after all these years. Yeah. <laughs> you were like a teenage crush of mine. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, God. And you, you got to come to another show and, you know, and see nothing changed. I would say nothing changed. Just just maybe more experience. That's too, it. But everything else is still the same energy and power and, yeah. nice. and soulfulness. I, I like the soulful stuff, too. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like for Emma. They've always been our settlers as well. So, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> Good. Well, it was and, a pleasure. Same here, same back at you. And have a great rest of the day and hope to see you really soon or talk soon. And, yeah, and all the best. <laughs> Tschüss. <laughs> cheers, cheers. Oh, good one. <laughs> cheers. Cheers.
every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Tune in to Third Eye Cinema, your source for in-depth discussion of cult cinema with a focus on film that matters. Cult, grindhouse, drive-in, independent, and underground film from the dawn of the talkies through the early 90s. This is a forum where we explore genre film and music from around the world, in-depth conversation and career analysis with directors, actors, and musicians, and open discussion on films that matter, those that fall outside the mainstream corporate film by boardroom committee. These are the problems of the auteur, the visionary, the dreamer, the outsider. None of that direct that passes for mainstream film these days. This is all about the glory days of independent cinema from all over the world. Any of the hotbeds of obscure, oddball, or generally wild cinema available on DVD from the dawn of the medium to this very day. Join us as we delve deep into the cinematic netherworld here on Third Eye Cinema. Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio. What is At Eye Level? A reductio ad absurd and look at the headlines, from politics to pop culture, from the corporate to the individual. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, we take a not-so-serious look at the serious issues of the day. Whether it's politics, economics, social issues, music, or old movies and TV shows, we discuss everything the corporate media overlooks while making you laugh at the absurdity of it all. Hell, you've got to have a sense of humor about life. Just look at the headlines. So join me, Matt G. And me, Doc Savage. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern as we navigate the sea of trolls, talking points, and trickery. We'll try to figure out a way to be there when tomorrow comes. At eye level, bringing more to you. Only on the Big Papa Network, on Blog Talk Radio. Join us on Tuesday nights at 6.30 Eastern for an exploration of the many roads and methods which promise to lead us to the ultimate answer, a higher purpose, the meaning of life. I'm just like a lot of you, a middle-aged mom with piles of laundry and a meditation practice. I've been down many roads to get where I am today, and my journey is far from finished. But I'd like to share my experience and hard-earned wisdom with you. So what is it about women and spirituality? It seems like we're always the first to try out something new. Christianity was spread in large part by wealthy women. And where would Uncle Al be without his scarlet women? Who is by and far the largest audience of New Age alternative spirituality? What is it about us that always has us seeking? And why does it always seem that men tend to take over what we discover? Join us for a dialogue between two long-lost friends representing both the yin and yang aspects of the whole, each of whom have traveled multifarious paths all across the spectrum of spirituality, the dark side and the light, from the organized to the out of the way. This show is for all those frustrated in their quest who've been through various stops on the spectrum of spirituality and found them ultimately unfulfilling. Join us for some hard-earned lessons and thoughts on potential new directions and possible value in what inevitably fails in organized practice, but which may have some merit to the solo practitioner and fellow seekers of truth in this journey towards life. Moving Towards Life. Lessons in life and spirituality from an unconventional seeker. Bringing more to you only here on the Big Papa Online Network. On Blog Talk Radio. Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Join us for Weird Scenes Inside the Gold Mine, your essential guide to all things wild and wonderful in the world of cult entertainment. Drop in for a spell with Doc Savage, Lois Paul, and myself. Discuss the beloved, the comedian, 
your career, and the wonderful world of cult film, music, television, and more. We'll be covering classic films, shows, musicians, and literature of the past, with an eye towards what new visions may still arise from the soullessly derivative mire of our modern age. Tune in, turn on, and take a step outside the mainstream as we dig deep into the rich vein of cult cinema, music, and television right here on Weird Seats Inside the Goldmine. Only here on the Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio.